Welcome to the Dr. B Show, sponsored by 111 Spa and Aesthetics. For season one, I'm speaking with Hispanic professionals and leaders in HR and business, all with the purpose of giving back to our communities. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, friends. Dr. B here. Welcome to another edition of the Dr. B Show. This week, I have the honor, the privilege of having a great friend, Angel Gomez. He's a leadership expert and former VP of HR for Walmart. He dropped some great gems on leadership, just like he dropped some great gems on leadership. I'm dropping you multiple gems in transforming your way to success. The course, the course, the course. Please check it out on our website. Become from a networking novice to a networking guru and never run out of people to talk to the biggest challenge for a lot of individuals in sales is they run out of people to talk to they don't know how to network but trust me once you get through my course after eight weeks of my networking boot camp you will you will you will be a networking guru enjoy the episode and enjoy the ride all right, everyone, welcome to another edition of Dr. B Show. I'm your host, Dr. B, Dr. Jairo Borja, and I'm joined by my good friend, Angel Gomez. Angel Gomez, how are you, sir? Doing great. Dr. B, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Happy Friday, recording on this warm right? <laughs> All that will air next month. All good. Hey, man, let's get right to it. So tell everyone about yourself, what you do as a consultant to Fortune 500 executives on leadership management and organizational development. Yeah, so look, uh, I have this fundamental belief, right, that the work that you do, that the work that I do, uh, the work that we all do should be both meaningful and worth your while. And so I dedicate a lot of my time to helping organizations and executives in organizations get better at whatever it is that they do by leading and managing people. And so I offer things like executive coaching, uh, workshops on leadership uh, and management, I speak a lot on the issue, and then I do a lot of this work called organizational development, which I come in and I take a look at the organization, figure out what's going on with the team and with the business unit, and try to help them out as much as I can to get them to perform at a much better level. Great, great point, great job. So what, does, what are some examples of how you help teams or leaders or, or and orgs perform better? Yeah, so, you know, I always ask the question, have you ever had a bad boss? in your organization, right? Or maybe uh, a team that just can't seem to get their act together. Right. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I do, right? So sometimes I go into an organization and I see that a team is just floundering. They're struggling to get their act together. They're not quite uh, aligned around their mission and their purpose and their goals. And I come in and I do some uh, uh, alignment work with them. So strategic planning, goal setting, things of that nature to make sure that we can get them on the right track. But then I also do that work with the individual executive or the individual leader. And I find out what's going on with him or with her. And I try and get to the root cause of their performance issues. And I tackle them to get them to perform better as a leader and as a manager uh, of people. And so you may have a team, you know, especially in right now in the midst of COVID, right? That's yeah. been so, so close and now is remote. Uh, and figure out how do we get back together again and still continue our work even though we're doing it remotely. That's a very typical yeah. uh, problem that teams are facing right now. So I get yeah. them together around that. Um, folks are starting to plan for next year, right? What yeah. should we be doing in the midst of all this craziness that's going on around us? What should our strategy be? I come in and help out with that as well. Those are the kinds of things that I do. 
Great, great examples, great examples, my friend. So to, uh, obviously I did some research, I, you would hope, right? <laughs> Before every show. Uh, you was a VP of HR for Walmart for four years and why did you decide to leave and be on your own? Yeah, so um, you know, I tell folks I have a bit of a checkered past, right? So I, okay. I started my career as an attorney. Mm. Uh, I practiced law in Chicago for a good 12 years or so and had a great career. Uh, yeah. I was the the president of the Hispanic National Bar Association, a partner at two big law firms in Chicago. It was all going great. Um, but then uh, that tiny little company called Walmart uh, huh. came knocking on my door. And, uh, and I thought I was going down to ask for some business, but they said, no, we don't want to hire you as an attorney. We want to hire you uh, to come in and work for us as our director of internal diversity relations, because I spent a good chunk of my career as an attorney advocating for greater diversity in the profession. Okay. Now, uh, if you know anything about Walmart, it's located in the northwest corner of Arkansas, which is, I euphemistically say, it's the northwest corner of nowhere. Right. right, right. Uh, <laughs> but um, after you know six months of negotiation back and forth, they finally made me an offer I couldn't refuse, and I joined them as a director of internal diversity relations. It was a great a great experience for me. I was quickly promoted to um, Senior Director of Learning and Development for the Home Office, which at that point had about 18,000 people, right. uh, and then promoted again <laughs> to uh, Vice President of Human Resources, where I was responsible for about 826 stores, um, 235,000 associates, if you can wow. believe it. Yeah, it's crazy. And <laughs> just my slice of the pie, our business unit generated $55 billion in annual sales. Oof. Wow. Wow. Now, Dr. B, to put that into perspective, yep. that was the size of all of Target in the U.S., just my wow. slice of the pie. So it was, right. it was great. It was a wonderful uh, experience. Um, but after having built up the organization, the HR organization, uh, I, I came to realize that I really enjoyed some aspects of my job and other aspects I did not enjoy. Right. And I did this exercise called the green card, red card exercise. Green card has nothing to do with immigration, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's just the, the, the stuff that goes on the green card is the stuff that gives you strength. So the sort of strengths revolution approach to this, this uh, issue. Um, I put down things like I really enjoyed coaching my colleague through a problem that she had. Or I really enjoyed uh, speaking to a group of young associates around their leadership capability. Yeah. Or um, I got to train on a workshop for senior directors on mm -hmm. how to be really good leaders and really good managers, especially in a diverse environment. And I, those were great, that was great stuff on my green cards. Mm -hmm. well, on my red cards were things like uh, turn in the workforce planning and staffing model that needs right. to be done in order for us to hire the right amount of people or finish the investigation on someone's alleged misconduct, um, or uh, finish uh, the engagement strategy uh, for, uh, for the division. And it turned out, Dr. B, that um, <laughs> uh, what was on my red card, it's the stuff that sort of drew strength for me, was all my job description. <laughs> uh, and, and so remember I go back to this fundamental belief right that the work that you do the work that I do should be meaningful and worthwhile well being an executive at Walmart was certainly worth my while right mm. uh, great career great company uh, great pay uh, I probably had a really really good future at that company 
Um, but it was not meaningful to me. Right. What was meaningful to me was the stuff that was on the green cards. Right. And so I figured out how can I fashion uh, a life, a work life, where I spend 80% of my time doing the stuff that's on the green cards. And the other like 20% stuff that's necessarily on the red cards. Like, hey, I got to do finances. I got to do all that kind of stuff. Right. And so I decided um, back in uh, 2008 that I would uh, fashion a consulting company that offered those kind of services that I love, right? That gave me strength. So speaking, executive coaching, organizational development, um, that kind of stuff. That, so that's why I decided to do it. And in the midst of um, uh, economic recession. crisis. Right, recession <laughs> right. at the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, uh, why not? <laughs> uh, I decided to launch my practice. But it was, it was great because I, I, I gave my notice on Cinco de Mayo. Wow. Because I, I wanted to be dramatic. Right. right. <laughs> but I gave my bus. I wasn't angry. I, I didn't hate the company, right? I just wanted to do my own thing. Right. And I gave the company 60 days notice so that way I can transition the person that I had hired on as my successor and have a really smooth transition plan for those 60 yeah. days. Um, 60 days from Cinco de Mayo happens to be the 4th of July. Right. Independence Day, my last right. day. Right. I guess I wanted to be dramatic again. Uh, <laughs> But um, I left on the 4th of July. That was a Friday. On Monday morning, 9 a.m., uh, I get a phone call from Walmart. I'm like, oh, maybe I forgot something back at the office. And they said, no, Angel, we want to hire you now as our consultant. Oh, wow. So they were my first client. It took them 72 hours. Right. But they were my first client. And, oh, wow. Um, they were great. They said, can you coach someone up in Canada? Can you go down to Mexico and help the legal team? Uh, can you coach some, a team in Michigan, go down to San Antonio, run a workshop for us? So we got to have the relationship that we wanted all along without having to be an employer-employee relationship. So they were great to me from the day that I started work to the very last day to the first day that they hired me on as their consultant. <laughs> wow, that's a great story. I didn't know that piece to it. So that's awesome, man. That's awesome. What advice would you give to uh, aspiring Latino trying to start their own business today? Yeah, you know, uh, this is the advice that I would give almost anyone. Um, mm -hmm. But one thing you really have to consider um, is this commitment to to the business of running a business. Right. The the challenge that we have uh, oftentimes is that we're good at doing something, right? Maybe you're good at accounting, or or maybe you're good at marketing, or maybe you're good at sales. Um, and you say, well, I can, I can fashion that into some kind of business uh, of some sort. Uh, and that's the substance of what you do, which is really, really important. I mean, I, obviously, if you're going to start a business, you must be good at what you do. Yeah. But the business of running a business requires that you have a commitment to running an actual business yeah. right? and putting together in place those mechanisms that allow you to be, to be successful. You're going to spend 80% of your time running your business. The other 20% of your time, you're going to be doing the kind of stuff that you love to do, right. like marketing or finance or whatever it, it may be. Right. So you, I often say you better love running a business if you're going to go into business because you're going to spend 80% of your time running a business. business. You've got to commit to it, right? You've got to commit right. to it in terms of time, in terms of energy, and to say, yes, I'm, I'm a social media expert, but I'm, but I'm a business person, 
that happens to run a social media empire, right? Right. Uh, that right. kind of thing. Right. The, other, the other thing I would say is make sure you have enough financial resources to get you through, yeah. especially now, right, uh, through yeah. some tough times. So nine months of living expenses, yep. uh, maybe you know, uh, 12 months of operating expenses, depending on the kind of business that you want to have. Yeah. Uh, that may be that may be helpful to to you as well. Uh, make sure that you've got enough um, credit uh, available to you from yeah. from your banks, things of that nature. Just make sure you're responsible uh, with, right. with, your, with your money because um, it's one thing to go chase a dream; it's another thing to to get to go bankrupt. <laughs> right? No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, as well. I mean, the the other thing too is I would m make sure because you're running a business to have really good business uh, functions available. Like where are you going to operate? What are your finances going to look like? How are you going to keep track of accounting? What's your banking look like? What's your credit look like? Uh, things of that nature to make sure that you're actually, you're a real uh, ongoing enterprise versus, you know, uh, some guy or gal in her uh, uh, kitchen trying to run a, trying to run a, Worldwide enterprise kind of thing. Exactly. Would you he, do you do you advise to incorporate at the gate? Like I yeah. did it right away. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I it, absolutely. I would never even start without incorporating. That's sort of step number one. Incorporate so that way you can go to the bank and say, "Listen, I have a real business, right? Right, right exactly. Uh, this this is really I'm a real enterprise here." And the, the last thing that I would say, and I think this is really um, really important, is have a really good sales process. Uh, in place yes. yeah. because um, part of that 80% of your business, 80% of that 80% is going to be spent on sales. Yeah. That is, how is it that you generate uh, revenue and generate income? Uh, and it's not just about uh, hanging out your virtual shingle nowadays. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really about networking and getting yourself out there and marketing and getting into a, a sales routine so that you can generate um, the pipeline of revenue that you're going to need to sustain you uh, past that nine and 12 month time period uh, that you have. So I would say those are the four sort of essential elements uh, that you would need in order if you're going to start running a, a business as well. Obviously passion for the, for the business house with the commitment, but you yep. have to have discipline. Yeah. That's probably more important than the passion. Yeah, no, agreed, hundred percent. And I and we had this separate conversation with first hand, and I know first hand, right? I struggled at the gate, stumbled like a horse at the gate uh, with the sales process, but now now it's, I'm fine tuning it. So appreciate oh, that. Good. Appreciate well, that. I'm, I'm glad you took my advice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, man. I really appreciate it, man. You see, I'm giving you a plug, man. I give you a there plug. There you go. <laughs> hey, man. I want to uh, transition over to like, what do you see the future of leadership development? with, you know, with many leaders, man, you know, now, especially now managing now virtually because of the yes. pandemic, where do you see the future of that? Of that that's a good question. It's going to require uh, an enormous amount of effort now to manage uh, virtually, you know, if in, in an office setting, um, you know, you, you're walking down the hallway, you can pop into someone's office or, you know, uh, ping them real quickly and then they'll respond back, right? You can, you can find someone in the cafeteria, whatever it may be. And a lot of management happens in those instances, right? Very informally. And then of course there's the formal management, which is the one-on-ones and then the quarterly updates or half year or year yep. evaluation. I think that stuff will continue and, and you'll just have to do it virtually. Right. 
But the other stuff, the, the relationship stuff that's part of management is going to require an enormous amount of effort, time, and energy. And the second part is going to require an enormous amount of skill. So where you would normally stop by someone's office, hey, how you doing? Things are going okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Then you sort of shoot the breeze a little bit. You can't do that anymore, right? right. You have to make a conscious effort now to say, I want to call up Dr. B. I want to see how he's doing. I want to make sure that I give him some feedback on the last presentation that I saw and not just leave it until our next one-on-one -on -one exactly. or to the quarterly evaluation or the half year or the year evaluation um, as well. So it's going to require that you schedule more sessions with your people one-on-one, -on -one, that you do more check-ins one-on-one, yep. and that you replace the informal coaching and development that you would normally do in the hallways or in the cafeteria right. or, you know, even, you know, if, for those of us that used to drive to drive alongs, right, with folks. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's, that's just not going to take place. So you're going to require that you do that. And then when you do that, uh, you're going to have to figure out how to do this thing virtually. Right. Because, you know, 80% uh, of how we communicate is through our body language. Yeah. And what you're getting from our body language is this and up. Yeah, literally, right? That's it. <laughs> right. And so you can't, so now the, you know, only 20% is really the verbal stuff. And you'll be able to capture that still. But you're only going to capture about, you know, 20% of the 80% again. Right. And this is going to be difficult to do. And so you're going to have to ask a lot more questions and be a lot more inquisitive and have your inquiry skills um, improve a great deal as part of this new normal that we're going to have, I think, for the foreseeable future, right? You see these companies yeah. that are saying, we're not going back to January 2021, or I just saw one August yeah. 2021. Right, oh, full right? year, yeah. A full year from <laughs> yeah, now, you're yeah. not going back into the office. So yeah. uh, accept this as the, 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 at least the immediate new normal for the next 12 months. Yeah, no, great, great point. Hi, Dr. B here. Are you struggling to get rid of stubborn fat but don't want to have plastic surgery? 111 Spa and Aesthetics non-invasive slimming massage can help you get the body you always wanted. 111 Spa and Aesthetics can also help you when it comes to cellulite treatments and body contouring massage. 111 Spa and Aesthetics offers a full range of skincare services, including facials, acne, scar treatments, skin tightening, microdermaspiration, and more. 111 Spa and Aesthetics are trained professionals with extensive skincare experience and utilize only the best equipment possible. For more information, please visit their website at www.111aesthetics.com. That's one O N E eleven. E-L-E-V-E-N, SpaAesthetics.com, located at 10 East Munaki Road in Hackensack, New Jersey, 07601. And to make an appointment, don't miss out, 201-520-1777, 201-520-1777, Spa and Aesthetics. Uh, speaking of leadership, do you see a particular trend? Like, I, I, like for example, one of my previous guests was like, she's a servant leader. You heard, I hear that term loosely, servant leader. Yeah. I heard other people like myself initially wanted to be more transformational leader. Do right. you see a certain trend as far as from a leadership style per se? Or 
I want to, I always wanted to ask you that. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I look at the different leadership, um, topics and, and, exactly. and, and styles and, yep. and new models and stuff yep. as the, as the ensalada mixta, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like a mixed salad of stuff. Like, What's yeah. the what's the leadership style du jour, right? So, exactly. <laughs> which ones in, which ones in vogue now? Right. Um, I say take your pick, right? Take your pick, uh, right? Take your pick. Whatever works for you and your organization, I mm -hmm. think is 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 helpful. The key for me in in leadership um, is that despite the bells and whistles that you get from some very smart, capable. Mm -hmm. and expensive consulting firms right. um, is that you, you stick to the fundamentals, especially yeah. in these days, right? Because you got to yeah. get down to the fundamental. And what are the fundamentals to me? One, as a leader, you're expected to achieve results. You're right. expected to get things done. And it doesn't matter whether you're doing it virtually or you're doing it in person. It, your responsibility is still to make sure that you and the people that you lead are accomplishing the things that the organization needs you to accomplish. Right. Two, you have to make sure that you do those things in an effective and in an efficient way. Yeah. Because uh, this virtual thing is completely inefficient. Right. <laughs> right. And leading this way can be very ineffective. And so it's going to require, like I said before, much more skill around it. But you want to be known as a leader, especially in times of change, as someone that figured out how to get this stuff done and get it done well, yeah. right? In, in, in fast, under budget, on time, things of that nature. So are you effective and efficient in the way that you go about leading? And then the last thing is around relationships and people. Are you the kind of leader, especially in these times of change, where people still want to come work with you? And for you. Uh, and so relationships, connection, interaction, trust, which is going to require more effort, uh, is, is still important. And so call it what you will. Right? And, I, and look, and I've taught probably a good eight to ten of those models, right? And I always right. talk about it. Yeah. Um, it always comes down to me to those three fundamentals. Can you get things done? Are you the kind of person that gets things done? Can you get it done effectively and efficiently? And are you the kind of person that others want to come work for? Folks knocking on your door to work on your team. Great three points, man. And that's going to segue to my next uh, question. As far as what can Latinos do to to network? Uh, well, I, I my stuff, my book talks about external, but yeah. uh, but uh, my question is internally. What can they do to yeah. network inside the organization better? Yeah, so um, that last piece around relationships is really, really key. Um, yeah. and, and like every other relationship that you have, uh, it requires energy. Yeah. Did you spend effort with it? Uh, whether you have a, a good friend, right? Uh, whether you have a, a great cousin, <laughs> yeah. um, whether you have a loved one, a spouse of some sort, um, the, the, it's still the same, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's the fundamentals of picking up the phone or and nowadays, you know, making sure that you get on some kind of video chat. Exactly. And that, and that you look at the person and that you ask them how they're doing, right? right. That right. you see what's of interest to them. Um, see how you might be able to help them uh, as well. 
the, the fundamentals of relationship have not changed. It's just the mechanisms by which we relate have, have changed drama dr dramatically. Right. And we need to utilize what tools that we have. Remember, it's, it's physical distancing, right. not social distancing that we're trying to do here. Yeah, you're right. That's so, right? Because if we do social distancing, we, we retract. Right. But I've been coaching people, lean in, right? right? Call up your friends. You can't go out to dinner with somebody, have a virtual dinner with somebody. Right. You can't go out to happy hour anymore, you know, grab a drink at 5 o'clock on a Friday, whatever your time zone is, exactly. and have, have a drink with a friend or right. so, right? And the same applies to internal stuff, right? So don't just call people up for work purposes. Right. Call them up to see how they're doing. I'm just checking in with you. I've got 15 minutes, and I thought I'd check in with you, see how things are going. You were in that last meeting. You seemed a bit stressed, and I wanted to make sure you were okay, right? right. Um, same thing with the boss. Right. Hey, boss, I just want to check in how things are going. How am I doing in this virtual environment? Right. want to make sure things are going okay with you and me. want to make sure that we don't lose touch because I'm not talking about work or one-on-one. I'm just like, I just, I'm just checking in with you. Right that kind of activity becomes even more important uh, because it's physical distancing, not social distancing. No, great point. Physical distancing. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, you, you've been part of the conversation. Uh, you, uh, your partner in crime, Dr. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, which I'll yeah. talk about that in a minute, but what can Latinos do meaningful conversations when it comes to diversity and inclusion, whether it's for their organizations, ERGs and or in their own businesses? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I, I'm writing uh, this this letter, uh, open yeah. letter to the CEOs of corporate America on, okay. a, a, around this this particular issue. Right. Uh, and the issue, and there's a whole bunch of things that I say uh, about their the diversity efforts um, and right. why they're not going well. Right. And one of them is that um, the concept of inclusion remains an enigma for organizations. Uh, and, and I say this in my letter, so I'll, I'll preview it for you here on your show. Thank you, Dr. appreciate Lee. it. It's for, fan, for me and my fans. <laughs> for, your, <laughs> uh, for, your, for your listeners. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that are uh, chief diversity officers or in the diversity space. Mm -hmm. I'm not particularly there. I'm the only tangentially uh, associated with it. Yep. But I tease them and I say, hey, listen, so inclusion seems to be a, a pretty big deal for you and very important in your company. I've read your company website. You talk about it all the time. Inclusion is so important. Mm -hmm. um, what are you including people in? I get these blank stares. I was like, I go, well, what do you mean? I'm like, no, 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 I'm asking you what you mean. Like, what are you including people in? Because if you believe in inclusion, you must, you must be including them in something. And then I get all kinds of stuff, right? Like, oh, well, we want to make sure people feel like they belong here. Like, well, that's belonging, but that's not inclusion. Right. Uh, well, you know, I want to make sure that people feel like they, we appreciate the differences. I'm like, all right, that's appreciation, but that's not inclusion. It's almost like tolerance, right? Right, right. Um, well, we want to make sure people feel comfortable, like comfort, uh, belonging, appreciation, respect. I get all these concepts, but I never get a clear definition on inclusion. Right. Or my favorite stuff, they start, since they can't do that, they start to uh, um, give me analogies, right? right so yeah. if, oh, it's about the mix and making the mix work. I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> or it's about inviting people to dance. And I'm like, oh, 
Yeah, I heard that um, one too. Only. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell do you mean by inclusion? Right. If your chief diversity officers or those that work in, in diversity and inclusion can't give me a clear answer in a friendly environment, good luck in your organization trying to define it and right. having people practice it. Right. So one of the things that I say about inclusion and I, and, I, and I joke about this, right? During Hispanic Heritage Month, all of a sudden, everyone opens up Taco Tuesday. Yeah, Taco Tuesday, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, listen, you should, you should open up a permanent taco bar in your cafeteria because everyone loves tacos year-round, number one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> number two, I don't care about Taco Tuesdays, right. right? What I care about as a person of color, as a proud Latino, yeah. is that your organization take my work product, my perspective into consideration when you make a decision about how to run any aspect of the business. That when you make an important decision about something that you take my education, my training, my diverse life and work experience into account before you move forward. Yeah. Right? That's real inclusion. Yeah. And so I say it's a mutual responsibility. Not on the part of the company to include that, although I think it is that yeah, important. Yeah. And it's our responsibility to ensure that our voices are included as well. Right? So a lot of the onus is like, oh, the, the, the company has to do things to make other people feel more included. Yeah. Yes. And incomplete. We as people of color need to raise our hand and make sure that we state our opinion, our perspective, and that we leverage our diverse education, training, and work, and life experiences before the bosses go off and do anything that may be good and or not so good. Great. So what can we do? Um, we can get courageous because it's not always, it's not always um, aligned to our culture to speak up and state of our, our opinion when it's not asked of us, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, we all grew up in our households, right? With yeah, uh, we don't speak until we're spoken to, yeah, right? Yeah, we don't yeah. get we don't give our opinions about things unless someone asks us, and frankly, hardly anyone ever asked us, right? Right. We have to be good children and be respectful of our elders and authority, and so all of those cultural elements then go into work. And we act the same way. But it is our responsibility as well as the company's responsibility to practice real inclusion, yeah. which is taking into consideration my perspective, my work, my training, my education, my work and life experiences when the company decides to do A, B, or C. Great point. Great point, man. Great point. Great points. As far as your uh, executive coaching, is it a one-off or series? How does that work on, from that aspect of your um, business? Yeah, so usually uh, a company will hire me mm -hmm. uh, to uh, coach anyone at their organization from um, a middle manager, um, a director. Uh, the sweet spot for me happens to be a director about to become a vice president or someone who's mm -hmm. become a vice president. Okay. But I also coach folks in the C-suite depending on the size of the company. Okay. And what they, what they do is they contract me for a period of usually six months to coach that particular uh, executive on any number of issues. Uh, it could be how to manage your team, how to be a better listener, um, how to uh, make decisions in a matrix environment, whatever it may be. 
mm-hmm. we find out what's going on with the individual and we spend six months in a series of coaching sessions the first of which is an assessment uh, most companies already have an assessment of some sort right some kind of cognitive assessment yep. that tells me what kind of leader they are so I use that as the basis we do a deep dive coaching session and then we spend the next three months going back and forth me giving the person assignments about what to do uh, and how to improve their performance on the particular issue uh, after three months we do another deep dive see how they're doing uh, we make some modifications to their individual development development plan and then we spend the next six uh, next three months finishing off the coaching session and at the end I always guarantee the person will be better at that particular issue than they were when I found them six months um, ago. That's good. So it's, a, it's usually a series. Um, oftentimes, uh, uh, the folks that I coach want to renew for another six months. Right. Uh, and so they end up being uh, a year uh, with me as well. But I hardly do one-offs unless okay. I'm you know, uh, offering up my services during the during certain periods of the, of the year where I offer up my free con- uh, consulting and, and coaching services to folks Got it. Um, as well. But usually, uh, nine times out of 10, it's the organization that's contracting me to, uh, to coach somebody within their organization. Got it. It's like a six-month retainer, right, at, at that point? Six-month right? retainer for, yeah, for, that, for those services, yeah. That's good. Good. Um, great stuff. Tell me, everyone, uh, about Zoo. Symposium. You're symposium. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it. Symposium on, on November 10th. How did that project come about with Dr. Robert Rodriguez? Yeah. What made you work on this project? Yeah, my, my partner in, in crime, crime, Dr. Exactly. I like hanging out with really smart people with PhDs, Dr. V. <laughs> yeah, that's good, though. I like it's that. Good, I love that. You guys make me smarter, right? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Dr. Robert Rodriguez and I have been friends for, for ages, well over 10 years now. And um, ever since we met each other, uh, we've always said we wanted to work with each other. Because uh, I've always admired his work around Latino talent, right? Especially around ERGs and yep. and, and his 4C model, which is really the, the gold standard, in my opinion, around how it is that ERGs measure their performance. Uh, but we never could quite figure it out. Well, about three or four years ago, um, we were uh, having uh, our end of the year uh, deep dish pizza uh, in Chicago over. It's good, by the way, which is good. Over, I, I know, it. it's great. <laughs> over, I miss it so much. Over a pitcher of beer, and, and we really started brainstorming. And I said to him, I said, look, this, this um, Latino cultural script thing that I've seen you present before, I wonder uh, how it is that that impacts how we as Latinos show up as leaders Uh, and we started brainstorming a little bit and taking some of his research and some of my research and some of my practice and sort of melding this conversation together and what we came up with was why don't we look at leadership skills the fundamentals and essentials that I teach Hmm. around setting direction around making decisions around listening um, around coaching and developing others um, and why don't we look at those things th- through the Latino cultural script, right? Which, like, and it's really a series of scripts, one of which is collectivism, for example. Right. We as Latinos tend to be collectivists. We, 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 we speak in we. Right. <laughs> we hardly ever speak in I because, again, cultural norms, like, yeah. it's not about you. It's about the family. It's about yeah. the group, right? Exactly. Uh, and so I said, that's great. So let's take, let's take um, leadership. Right. Leadership is really about 
I, I lead the team. And so folks know, but isn't it about we? I'm like, yeah, if you're collectivist, but a good leader knows that she is a good leader and that she can get us from where we're at to where we need to be. Right. Uh, and that requires not so much a collectivist mindset, but an individualistic mindset. Right. And so um, we examine all these concepts of leadership through these scripts. And what we get is the Latino leadership intensive, which we've been running for the last three or four years, um, both at um, Stanford University uh, here in Palo Alto, uh, also in Chicago. And we were scheduled to do one at Harvard this year, but I got postponed postponed because of COVID. Yep. What we've done with the Zoomposium, because we don't want to run the Latino leadership intensive virtually, because uh, there's an aspect of being on a, a Ivy League campus uh, and being together in the way that we actually run this thing that actually makes it intensive because we're, we're examining our cultural norms and the clashes with corporate uh, norms. Right. Um, and, and that requires that we be together. But we took aspects of the Latino cultural script and we're, we've redesigned that piece of it to do it virtually in what we're calling a Zoomposium. Right. The Zoomposium will still cover the definitions and the impacts of those different scripts, like simpatia, we like to be well-liked, respeto, we like to give and get respect real, real fast, right? right. Um, versus other organizations says you're not entitled to respect. Um, you only get respect when you earn it. Right. We're playing different scripts. Exactly. So we're still going to talk about that and the impact on us from a career perspective. Right? What does it mean for a Latino to be a collectivist in nature for the most part and then be asked in an interview, what was your performance and what results did you achieve in that particular scenario? And the response quite naturally is, well, we did this and we did that. Yeah. And then the interviewer will come back to you and say, I get it, but what was your individual contribution to that? And you will go back and say, well, we did this, exactly. <laughs> we did we that. Did that. Right. And then the interviewer will come back with another follow-up and say to you, what about you? I want to know about you. And then you'll, you'll get cornered and you'll say, yes, I did this and I did that. But really, the team deserves all the credit. Right. And what's the interviewer thinking? Dr. B is a freeloader here, right? Like he, <laughs> right. <laughs> he's not, he didn't do anything. He's just going along and going along. Now, it makes you a great team player, but it doesn't make you be perceived as a great individual leader. And so we'll be examining those things through the different scripts that we have with Dr. Rodriguez, and his research is phenomenal. And we'll be facilitating a conversation between the two of us, uh, both as as practitioners and how we see it in corporate America. And then also from an academic perspective with, his, with some of his research, we'll take a lot of the stuff that he wrote in his book and Authentico and figure out how it's actually applied. So uh, we invite everyone uh, to, to, to join us. Uh, we have about a hundred slots available um, okay. for uh, listeners of your great show. Dr. Thank B. you. Thank um, you so much. I, I will post something. I'll post the link so we can get you guys in ahead of, yeah. Uh, registration because registration opens up during Hispanic Heritage Month. Makes sense. 
Um, and But uh, for your listeners, we'll make sure that we give them a link so they can get on there before we, we, we jack up the prices for Thank you. Else. No, I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you. Where can they find this information? Well, at least where can they find you? I guess that's my last question. Yes. F- finding me is not difficult, right? So, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. If you Google me. Yeah. There'll be a lot um, of Angel uh, Gomez's, right? There's, there's a lot of Angel Gomez's, but there'll be a lot of Angel Gomez consulting. You'll, I'll be in the top 10. Google's right. thinking about that. Thank you, Google. Um, but I'm easy to find because I'm not very complicated. It's angelgomez.com. Right? Got it. Uh, if you want to find me on LinkedIn, uh, it's, it's Angel Gomez uh, or Angel Gomez Consulting. You'll get to my page as well. Same thing on Facebook. I have a Facebook uh, uh, um, fan page, if you will, <laughs> of the followers. Uh, they can also find me by just typing in Angel Gomez Consulting, and then you'll be able to find me um, as well. I'm not, I'm not difficult um, uh, to get a hold of uh, if, you want, uh, any, if you have any questions or if you want any consulting on the front end. Angel, amazing conversation. You know, we spoke a little about everything. It was good. It was very good. I appreciate your time today. I haven't, you have well, no I, idea. I, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, good luck to you as you keep going on in your journey, Dr. B. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Angel Gomez, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Dr. B Show, sponsored by 111 Spa and Aesthetics. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite platform.